2: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists
0: to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because
2: I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah.
0: (laughs) The Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13.
2: My football picks coming up in a couple of minutes. We got Thursday Night Football. We've got a little uh, NBA mixed in. We've got your phone calls. Great to be with you. Here on listen up. all right. Here are the games coming up this weekend that begins tonight. Of course, you got Denver and the Colts from the mile high and uh, the Colts are getting three points here. So Denver a home favorite. They are minus three. You got Green Bay and the Giants playing in London. The Packers are an eight point favorite. You got Cleveland and the Chargers with the uh, Brownies getting two and a half points, Minnesota and Chicago. Uh, The Bikes are favored by seven and a half points. New England and Detroit. uh, The New England Patriots are favored by three. You've got Tampa Bay and Atlanta. The Bucks are a nine-point favorite. Jets and Dolphins. The Jets are getting three and a half. Washington and Tennessee. Washington, a point and a half. Uh, They're getting a point and a half, all right? So. There's some very close spreads here. New Orleans and Seattle, you have New Orleans. They are favored by five and a half. Buffalo, a 14-point favorite against Pittsburgh. You got Jacksonville and Houston with uh, the Texans getting seven points. The Niners are in Carolina. That is a six and a half point spread. The Carolina Panthers, a home dog. Uh, The Rams and Cowboys, uh, that's a a five-and-a-half-point spread with uh, the Cowboys getting the points. Arizona and Philadelphia, the uh, Cardinals, a home dog, getting five points. Baltimore and Cincinnati, Baltimore is giving three points, and uh, Kansas City is a touchdown favorite, seven-point favorite uh, against the Raiders. So there are the lines. Why don't I just get my picks out of the way? And then you can uh, give me your picks and we can go from there. All right. Uh, The Browns and Chargers. The Browns are getting two and a half points. I will take the Chargers and I'll give the points in that game. So I'm taking the Chargers uh, in that game. All right. A couple of other games that I think are interesting. Going to be close. And one of those games is the Jets and Dolphins. Uh, I'm going to take the Dolphins. I'm going to give the Jets the points. Game is at MetLife Stadium. I'm going to take Miami with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. Uh, They still have Tyreek Hill. They still have Jalen Waddle. They're still a good team. They've had three extra days off to prepare for the game, knowing full well that Bridgewater would be the quarterback. Bridgewater is an experienced quarterback. I think they go in there. And beat the Jets, so I'm going to take Miami, and I will give the points right there. All right, I like that game a lot. I do. I like that game a lot. There are a couple of other games I'm tinkering with that I've been going back and forth. Uh, I don't think Philadelphia is going to go 17 and 0, but I think they're going to go in and beat Arizona and Kyler Murray. That's a lot of points, but I'm still going to go with Philadelphia to cover. So I'll take the Eagles. I'll give the five, all right, and I'll go in that direction. Another interesting game, the two games that are very interesting to me are Baltimore and Cincinnati and Kansas City and the Raiders. Uh, That's a lot of points in that Monday night game for a divisional game, I'm staying away from that game. I'm going to take Baltimore and Lamar Jackson, all right, minus three against Cincinnati. Baltimore's had a couple of horrible losses, blown big leads. I think they are going to right the ship here. So I'll take Baltimore minus three over the Bengals. All right, so those are my picks. All right, I got
3: Baltimore. I got Philadelphia. I've got Miami. All right, and
2: I've got the Chargers. So those are my four picks uh, coming up this weekend. Well, Draymond Green has apologized again. God, I wish I had a little bit of coin in my pocket every time he had to apologize. You know, and it won't be long before he has to apologize again, okay? It won't be long. All right? He won't be long. I mean, it's, a, it's an absolute joke. I mean, it really is. It's a joke. So Draymond Green was at the practice facility this morning. He apologized to the team for his altercation with Jordan Poole, according to Bob Myers, the general manager. Green has left the training facility. He is not expected back until Saturday. Well, that's good news, actually, because that gives him more time To work as the new media. All right. Bob Myers said these things happen. Nobody likes it. We don't condone it, but it happens. Draymond apologized to the team. Jordan was there in the room. As far as my suspension, as far as my suspension punishment, fine, we will handle that internally.
3: Unbelievable. Just go apologize.
2: After you called Kendrick Perkins a racial slur, a couple of days later you apologize. Nothing happened. What a
3: joke. Seriously. What a joke. Amazing. Just ridiculous. All right. Steph Curry and Steve Kerr both talked
2: about what happened, all right? And Bob Myers also said, upcoming contract negotiations for both Green and Poole had nothing to do with the altercation, all right? And had not observed any change in behavior from either player leading up to the incident. Steve Kerr, quote, there was a report that Jordan had an attitude in camp, and that could not be further from the truth. He's been fantastic. Curry, quote, "Pool has been great, and there was nothing that warranted the situation yesterday. I want to make that clear. There you go.
3: There you go. So,
2: Trayvon Green apologizes, and he won't be back with the team until Saturday. So he gets a two-day vacation to go work on his new media. Amazing. All right, college football, Alabama and Arkansas. You remember the feud in the offseason between Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban. So it's a who's been horrible this year, in Tuscaloosa on Saturday. Nick Saban said there's no structural damage to his quarterback, Bryce Young. And uh, that he threw a little bit yesterday, but they're not going to make a decision until pregame warmups. All right. Quote, this is saving yet today to ESPN. Quote, Bryce has been practicing and all week he's been saying that he could play, but that's going to be a medical decision. We've still got some time and I want to talk more to Bryce. He's the only one who knows how he feels because it's going to be. A pain tolerance thing. He's a tough kid. He's a great competitor. We'll see where he
3: is on game day. There you go. All right. What do you think the final score of that game is gonna be, with or without Bryce Young? Huh? Seriously. What do you think the game is gonna be?
2: Now, of course, Saban said. Quote, this game isn't about any of that, talking about the feud with Jimbo Fisher, and our players don't give a s S about it. This game is about the goals we want to accomplish as a team and our players creating value for themselves. That's why this game is important, not because of anything that was said about anybody. Well, a and beat Alabama last year at a and at College Station. This is a game that Alabama's had circled on their calendar. I can guarantee you that. This could get pretty ugly because A&M has been absolutely brutal this year. Absolutely brutal. All right, so you got my picks. We got the NFL schedule. I gave you that. We got the baseball playoffs beginning this weekend. All
3: right? You got your wild card games. Got your playoff series. And I'm just wondering, who do you think is going to have
2: the most fun? In other words, which series do you believe is going to be the best one to watch? I think it's going to be the Padres and the Mets. Okay? So you got the Padres and the Mets, Mariners and the Blue Jays, Phillies, Guardians, or excuse me, Phillies, Cardinals, and the Rays and the guardians which would be cleveland which would be the indians all right so those are your four series tampa cleveland seattle toronto philly st louis san diego and the mets so we got a little baseball playoff action going on as well there you have it all right there you have it all right let's get to uh, some phone calls and we start with jeff here on a Thursday and a busy Thursday, getting you ready for Thursday night football. Hey, Jeff.
1: Hey, Grant. So, are we doing our picks today or tomorrow?
2: Whenever you want.
1: Okay, I got them right here, ready to rock. I'll take the Chargers over the Browns, uh, Seattle over the Saints, Miami over the Jets, and the Niners over the Panthers.
2: We got you. Good picks right there. Thank you very much. What else? What else has been going on? Uh, are you into the baseball playoffs? Uh, I know you're a big Giants fan. Yeah.
1: Are you into the baseball playoffs? Yeah. yeah, you know, I'm just wondering. I know it's a minute, minute, uh, I don't know. How much is this uh, Fernando Tatis thing is going to affect or hurt the Padres that would have went further this year in the playoffs? I don't know. I mean, I don't
2: think it's really hurting him that much because he hasn't played the entire year. You know, it's not like he was on the team and then he wasn't on the team. He really he didn't play at all. So to me, I mean, would they be better with him? Yeah, of course, they would be better with him. They still wouldn't have won the division. All right. The only difference is they may have been home for this series instead of on the road. But that's the only difference. There's no way there's no way in the world. All right. They would have won the division. Not no chance. Absolutely no chance right. of that. So, right. You know what? So what's it done? The difference is having Tatis or not Tatis. You may have been at Petco as opposed to being uh, at in in New York.
1: Right. So another thing I had was, gosh darn it, these Braves. They, I mean, over the years, don't they just find it a way to win the doggone pennant in their division? I mean, yep. Pretty amazing. They lose Freeman, and they still do it, you know, and uh, there's just somehow, some way, I mean, they just, I mean, I mean, I I know they're nowhere near the Yankees winning the divisional pennants, but they've got to be right up there with winning their division, uh, you know, with divisional pennants.
2: They're a very good franchise. You know, they're obviously the reigning World Series champs, and they're a pesky team, boy. You know, they're a pesky team. I'll just say that. I mean, they just embarrassed the Mets uh, this past weekend to really solidify the division and get the bye. And they're a pesky team. They're a damn pesky team. I'll just leave it at that. They're a very uh, pesky team. They know how to win. And I believe that they are, they're going to be a tough out this year. They're going to be another, they're going to, once again, they're going to be a tough out. They really are. I'll tell you this as a Yankees fan, I don't know if they're going to get past the opening round. I really mean that. A lot of people just are automatically saying Houston is going to end up playing the Yankees. I'm not so sure of that. I'm not so sure of that at all. I could see the Yankees not winning uh, against uh, their first-round opponent.
1: I, I got a funny story to tell you about Dusty and the Giants. You know, back when they were playing the Angels, we had that big lead, and I think it was game six, when he, and he pulled Ortiz out. And uh, I went and bought the champagne. I was at an off-site sale for I was selling cars in Yuba City. And we were all listening to the game. We're all excited. I went and got a bottle of champagne, ready to uncork it, pulls Ortiz out, and you know the rest of the story. So I wish, uh, I, I just hope Dusty somehow finds a way to pull it off this time.
2: Yeah, I mean, as a Yankees fan, I'm not going to root for him if they're playing the Yankees. But if they went, once the Yankees are out of it, I'm rooting for Dusty all the way. Uh, I would absolutely love to see him uh, win the World Series as a manager. Absolutely. Right with you on that.
1: Yeah, he deserves it. Yes, he okay, does. Well, all right, you take it easy, Grant. Have a good day.
2: Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. All right, let's get to uh, John, who is uh, on day, I think, two, a full day two of his vacation in uh, the Buckeye State. What's going on, John? Oh, man, Grant, I'm freaking having a great time. I
0: took your advice, and my and we went to Putin Bay. There. Yeah. Right, but Matt, I could imagine you and your buddies as college uh, kids or college oh. studs on that on that beach in that freaking party town. It's a party island, Grant.
2: Yeah. And yeah, I took a. I know. Pretty no, we were tour. kids. We we, we we were kids. Uh, you, uh huh. You liked it. Yes, you were a kid.
0: Man, it was great. It's a super cool island. That um, that real tall monolith. I don't know what they call it. It's it's it, the statue, or it's a monolith or, of a uh, of war veterans. a Long long time ago, apparently. But man, that thing is massive. You can see. Yes. It for, yes. And. We had a yep. great time. And I just thank you enough for That's one thing that, that uh, when you said originally going to Putin Bay, and you know, we're right here, we're heading to Marblehead tomorrow, which is going to be really nice. But we're at, uh, good for you. Yeah, we a little comedy show back on the mainland. I don't know if you want to call it that because you can't see see across the lakes, which which is freaking super cool. And, uh, well, good. I,
2: good I, for I you. You're to get you, in, you gotta I wanted be able to, to, to get to, in. A you know what? No, go on. Go ahead. You speak. Man. No, you speak. No, man. no. No, you're breaking up. You're, you're you're breaking up a little bit. So give me your picks. Go ahead. Okay. I, I don't know all the numbers. Are the Cowboys favorites still by like
0: three or something?
2: No, they're they're getting five points. Yeah. That's what I mean. Five now? I'm still taking him. I'm still taking All right, him. So give I me your picks because really you're breaking well. up on me. So you so you got Dallas. Go ahead. Who are your other three?
0: I hate to say it, but I think uh, Green Bay Packers are going to win huge. And I know that number is huge against your Giants, but I think the Packers are, are going to yeah. win tomorrow for some reason.
2: Okay. So you got Dallas, you got Green Bay. Who are your other two?
0: Grant, you're going to have to help me out a little bit. Uh, Jeff Jeff just had a couple picks, and his first pick I totally agreed with 100%. And
3: if –
2: I need to, <coughs> I'm gonna John,
3: I, up as well. hey, Greg, John I, I'm going to try and
0: get a better, John, I'm going to try and get... You...
2: Uh, yeah, get, call me back when you get in a better area. This is too hard to do. All right. Call me back when you get in a better area. All right. It's just too difficult. All right. If you want to get in on the uh, program, hit your hand icon, raise your hand uh, and we will do it by the way tomorrow. Don't forget three o'clock Pacific uh, Sean Salisbury. We'll be talking about tonight's game. We will be looking ahead to Alabama at A&M and some of the other college games and we will talk NFL. That's tomorrow at 3 o'clock on my YouTube channel. Excuse me, if you don't like that with Grant Napier. All right, so that's tomorrow, 3 o'clock. We'll do a segment with Ryan and Sacktown as well. But Sean Salisbury and I get it rolling at 3 o'clock Pacific. That's tomorrow on my YouTube live channel. Let's get to Connor. Connor, welcome to the show. Good afternoon, Connor.
4: Good afternoon. How you doing, Grant?
2: I'm good, Connor. What's up, buddy?
4: I just wanted to talk about Draymond and the Yankees, and then I'll give my picks later. Yep. So for Draymond Green, this guy gets in so much trouble from kicking Steven Adams in the balls in the Western Conference Finals to yelling slurs at Kendrick Perkins. Now he's punching his teammates, and it doesn't seem like there's any ever real serious repercussions for him.
2: No, there are no repercussions for him. It's a joke, you know, not to mention walking off the court after getting ejected. In game two and giving the double bird to the fans and then afterwards making a joke out of it that he's not too worried about it because he makes 25 million a year. I mean, you know, this guy is a disgrace. That's what he is. He's a disgrace. And it's a shame because he's a hell of a basketball player and he's been a real big part of the Warriors' success and winning the championships. But the guy, to me, is disgraceful. He really is. He's disgraceful.
4: Yeah, I agree that he was a big part of all the championships. But we're talking about a guy who averages nine points a game in his career. And I don't think he really has, like, enough accolades and talent to be talking and getting away with everything that he does. It's not like he's some
2: superstar. Well, first of all, one has nothing to do with the other, in my opinion. It doesn't really matter what level of player you are. When you cross the line and you do something wrong, you should – Suffer the consequences. He rarely does. Now he's been suspended by the league. He's been fined by the league. But really, uh, as he said, and he laughed about it after the Memphis playoff game, when he's making twenty five million, he's not that concerned about getting a twenty five thousand or a fifty thousand dollar fine. It's a joke. So, but the fact that he is either, in your view, a good player as opposed to a very good player, or a very good player compared to a great player, however you want to characterize him, that should have no nothing to do with the consequences for his actions that one has nothing to do with the other. I mean, you don't, you don't have to, if you're a superstar, that doesn't mean you can go out and act like an ass and do all these stupid things. And you are, you know, in a bubble. No, that doesn't work like that. So one has nothing to do with the other Connor.
4: Yeah. I just meant like the entitlement he seems to oh. have is
2: oh, it's unbelievable. Like well, but, but here's the other deal. He has the entitlement because the media allows him to have the entitlement. OK, the the, the, the P- TNT who goes out and pays him to come on the set has entitled him. His new media bullshit has entitled him because the media kisses his ass for the most part. Uh, the media in San Francisco kisses his ass. So he feels like he has this entitlement. I mean, he called Chris Russo a racist because Chris told him to shut up and play. I've said I've told him to shut up and play many times. I said to Luka Doncic on a Kings telecast one night to shut up and play. Nobody said a word about it, you know. So, you know, now all of a sudden, if you tell an athlete to just shut up and play, it's racist. And, you know, then he criticizes Chris Russo, didn't even really know who he was, mocked his career, mocked his accomplishments. I mean, Draymond Green doesn't have a leg to stand on, doesn't have a leg to stand on compared to Chris Russo and his career. And, you know, again, nothing happens to him. He can just go out and make these absurd claims. He can call Chris Russo a racist. Nothing happens. He can call Kendrick Perkins a racial slur. Nothing happens. The whole thing's a joke. It's a travesty. It's an absolute disgrace.
4: Yeah, Draymond Green's a complete joke. And I'm sure next week we'll have something else that he did wrong to talk about. Yes, we will. And then talking about the Yankees... I think two big points for them, and that are integral to their success. One is they're getting Matt Carpenter back. It sounds like next week, so that should be a really big piece for them.
2: Yeah, two He can't pitch out of the bullpen. You know they've had a lot of injuries coming out of the pen. Um, I am not sold at all right now. Their relief pitching to me is going to let them down in the playoffs. That's number one. Number two, uh, I'm expecting Stanton to strike out three or four times every game. Uh, I don't like the fact that he does not put the ball in play enough for me. The Yankees as a team do not put the ball in play enough for me. I think they strike out too much. I think it's going to be a real issue. And I'll tell you, if they end up playing Tampa, I don't think they're going to win that series. I think they'll beat Cleveland. I do not think they'll beat Tampa in a playoff series. I really don't.
4: Yeah, I think that the one player who needs to step up the most this postseason is Garrett Cole. I mean, after last year... Yep. The contract that he was given yep. by the Yankees can't be justified if he's starting in a wild card game and we lose. You pay the player for the postseason, not the regular season. He can set all the records he wants, but it comes down to whether he can be an ace or not. And right now, I think that Luis Severino and Nestor Cortez have a better case for the ace.
2: Well, I I think you're absolutely correct. I think you're 100% Cortez for sure. I mean, Garrett Cole has not been that pitcher for the Yankees that he was for the Astros. And you're right about what they're paying him. He always seems to have one bad inning and it always seems to be near the top of the game as opposed to the middle innings. And I'm with you on that. Garrett Cole needs to earn his money this year in the playoffs. You are 100% spot on about that.
4: Yeah, I think the key to his success is keeping the ball in the ballpark. Yep. It's always seems that he gives up first inning home runs and that kind of blows yep. everything.
2: Yep. It's very difficult in the playoffs to play from behind uh, because, you know, pitching is at such a, a premium in the playoffs. I mean, when you're in the playoffs, you're going against really good pitching. And generally speaking, not all the time, but when you're playing from behind early, that makes it a very difficult proposition to win a playoff series. You're exactly right.
4: Yeah, so now I got my picks here. It was pretty tough this week, but I'm going to take a risk here. I'm going to take the Giants, minus eight. Okay. They might have a chance to shock some people. And then I'll take the Lions, the Seahawks, and then on Monday night I'll take the Chiefs.
2: Okay, we got you. So you're going with the Giants. You said the Seahawks, the Lions, is that correct? And the uh, Chiefs? Did I get that right? Okay. Yeah. Sounds good, buddy. Um, I appreciate that. You have a good rest of the day, and uh, thanks very much for you uh, taking time to call the show.
0: Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore.
2: My pleasure. Good stuff right there from Connor. Man, he's right on about Garrett Cole and the Yankees. You know, to me, the Yankees don't put the ball in play enough. That's my biggest issue with them. Shouldn't say my biggest issue with him. Uh, I'm also not sold on Stanton. Maybe I'll eat my words, but just tired of, uh, I'm just, you know, he's either going to get hurt or strike out. That's how I feel uh, about Stanton, you know. Giancarlo Stanton, that's how he either, either strikes out or gets hurt. That's how I look at him. You know, and it's either, either ball, either leaves the ballpark, you know, or he strikes out. A I, guy I can never stay healthy, never stay healthy. So we'll see. All right. So the baseball playoff, or do you, let me ask you, with football season and full swing, how much interest do you have, okay,
3: in baseball? All right.
2: There you go. By the way, the 30 MLB teams, it was reported to 64.5 million fans, okay? Which this is so stupid. This is ridiculous. Which is up 45.3 million who attended games in 2021. Uh, yeah, that was the COVID-affected campaign, all right? Here, here, here's the big deal. This year's numbers are still down from the 68.5 million who attended games in 2019. Okay? That was the last season not affected by the pandemic. All right? The 2022 average of 26,000 fans per game throughout the league was down 5.3%. Well, can you imagine if you took out... If you just took out the Dodgers, the Mets... The Yankees and the Cubs. Can you imagine what your average attendance would be? Because I'm telling you right now, when I flip around baseball, I'm not seeing 26,000 at the game, okay? By the way, speaking of the Dodgers, they had 3.86 million fans, okay? There you go. You want to know what the A's drew this year? They drew 787,902 fans, less than 10,000 per game. You know what my opinion is? It was much less than that.
3: Much less than that. The Cardinals were second.
2: The Yankees, the Braves, the Padres. There you have it. All right, let's get to some phone calls. Always good when we can uh, say hello to Jay. Jay, good afternoon. Good to have you here on Listen Up. How are you today, sir?
5: Excellent, Grant. Nice to chat with you. Yeah, I know I agree with you on the baseball thing. You know, I I was a hardcore baseball fan, you know, my my entire life. And, and I've just kind of drifted away from it the last five or six years. And um you, you know, as I kind of look back on it and go, What what happened? You know, because I, I was a huge baseball lover and knew new teams inside and out and and you know, I think it's a combination of A, you know, the Um, I I was a huge San Diego Padres fan and, you know, they were, they were, they've been bad for so long, you know, and then being in Sacramento, it's just hard to stay super bonded to a a team that's not good. And, um, you know, so I kind of adopted the A's and, uh, you know, they they would, they would have these every other year, good years. And, but, you know, there was no consistency and you just knew that things are going to unravel. And so I think it was just kind of, for me it was kind of easy to walk away and the game got boring (laughs) you know like you've mentioned so many times you know the 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 intrigue and the yeah you know oh i can't watch it that that we grew up with watching baseball in in the the 70s and 80s uh that made the game intriguing and interesting just kind of went they went away they slowly went away you know and having a a starting pitcher go five innings and then six relief pitchers you know just drug on and drug on and I, I think it's one of those things that I ah, is kind of you know not, there's not a draw a line in the sand moment but it, it just it just happened and so I'm, I'm hoping these the, these playoffs are intriguing and and uh, the games are uh, rewarding to watch I'd love to see the, the the Padres be able to put pitching and hitting together in the same game so they can they can go a little, they can get a little bit deep into the playoffs I you know I don't think anybody's getting past the Dodgers but um, you know we're or hopefully we'll see some intrigue in the playoffs.
2: I'll tell you one thing. It would be fun to see the Padres play the Dodgers in the playoffs. That's for sure. You know, that would be very entertaining.
5: It would. They, the Padres don't match up well. I mean, I don't, I don't know what the season series was this year, but it felt like the Dodgers destroyed them, um, you know, pretty. Handy.
2: They did destroy them, but I still think just the rivalry, I mean, the proximity of Southern California, that's I was just referring to. I, I think that series would have some pizzazz is what I'm, I guess is what I'm saying.
5: I, I 100% agree. I I, I do too. I'd lo- I would love to see that, uh, and just like I, I I would love to to see a, a Houston Yankees series as well. You know, I think that would that would be uh, awesome. I agree with you. I'm not sure. I'm not sure the Yankees uh, I would have too. enough pitching to uh, and consistent hitting to make it to the world to World Series. But, they don't. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, hope, hopefully we at least get some compelling games. Hey, I like your picks. Um, I'm I'm gonna give you my picks either tomorrow or I'll send them via social media. I just gotta scrutinize the lines a little bit more. But just off the of, just off the top, I like sure. I, I like your picks. That uh, that could be a four zero week for you. That right right there, and then um,
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, could also be it could also be, a, could also be an zero four week, Jay. You know that's why they call it gambling, right, buddy? <laughs> exactly, especially especially
5: the lines. Yeah. you know, I mean, you know, like, you know the the lines really add a new level of intrigue. I'm sure I'm really glad you did that. It's a it's a it's a lot more difficult to to pick, pick spreads than it is to pick winners and losers. You know, we, we should all be about 75, 80% pick winners and, sure win and losers, but it's hard to get over 50% with the line. You know, then a couple
2: takeaways. You're right about that, <laughs> my friend. A couple
5: takeaways from uh, uh, the Kings game, and this is uh, so- somewhat tongue in cheek, but you know, it looks like our second third, and third string is better than the Lakers' second and third string. That, that won't mean anything in the season, but you know, I, I guess that was all right. Um, uh, it looks like, um, you know, Keegan Murray, Uh, might be might be the real deal as he works into his uh, into his rookie year and um, the big worry is uh, like you've said I didn't see a whole lot of difference in De'Aaron Fox he looked pretty much like De'Aaron Fox of old and that's not gonna that's not gonna cut it and so uh, uh, these these next few uh, games will be interesting to see if see if there's something different going on there but uh, um, it didn't show up on game one.
2: Well, I I agree with you. I mean, that to me is, yep, you and I are the same boat there. I I just think if the Kings are going to make that leap, you know, De'Aaron Fox is the guy that's going to make that leap, all right? And, you know, again, the season is coming up right around the corner, and I really believe in your sixth year, uh, you pretty much are who you are. And the point I'm trying to make is I'm not expecting De'Aaron Fox to all of a sudden come out and be a great shooter, I, I really not. I just don't think it's going to happen. But he doesn't have to be a great shooter. Just be more consistent with this perimeter shot. And if he can be that, then I think the Kings have a pretty good chance. Here's your, here's your first five games this year that starts coming up around the corner on uh, the 19th. All right. So your first five games this year, all difficult. All right. Now think about this. Portland at home. The Clippers at home. At Golden State. Home Memphis. Home Miami. Those are your first five games. Those are all very challenging games with the exception of maybe Portland, who I think the Kings probably might be a whisker better than they're not better than the Clippers. They're not better than the Warriors. They're not better than Memphis. They're not better in Miami. That doesn't mean they can't win any of those games, but those are five tough games. And then you go on your first road trip of the year, your extended road trip, you know, at Charlotte, at Miami, at Orlando, at Golden State. So the 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 beginning of this season is very challenging for Sacramento. I mean, those first five games, Portland, the Clippers at the Warriors, home Memphis, home Miami. That's really going to be challenging.
5: Yeah. They might spend the first 30 games just trying to get out of the hole. And, um, uh, uh yeah, exactly. Somehow they got to figure out how to go two and five or two and three in those first five games. And, uh, then, then, then they'll probably be able to settle in. But a, a one and four or no an and five start, you know, that's that's
2: going to be rough. Yep. Yeah. Hey. Cool. Yeah, I think two and three is pretty good on those five. I agree with you. I think if they could go two and three, that would be pretty good.
5: Yeah, that's kind of that kind of stealing one that you wouldn't think would be in the win column. And uh, you know, and if you're if you're going to make the eight, nine, ten slot, you're going to have to beat Portland. So you just have to do it. Uh, and if you can't, if you can't, then Portland's yep. going to be in that slot, and you know, we'll be we'll be back where, where we're at. Hey, I'll let you go here, but I wanted to give um, a shout out to uh, to Joe Concha for getting you some uh, national pub. That was awesome. Uh, I saw that the other night. And, uh, um, you know, more more media needs to come out and highlight uh, the silliness. And so I I was I was really happy for you to see that.
2: Yeah, I, I was grateful for that. You know, it's been now two years. All right. And four months. Since. I lost my career and I just think for me, and I don't wanna sound self-serving here, I'm grateful that people like Joe are still keeping the narrative going about how absurd what happened to me really was. I mean, when you think back, it was ridiculous then, but now that we're two years removed plus a couple of months, it's beyond absurd. And I think the the even the detractors, even the ones that were like Screw Grant, You know, blah, blah. Even they are coming around and realizing that what happened to me for saying all lives matter, every single one, is, is even beyond the travesty. And so I'm grateful for people like Joe and others that keep on talking about it.
5: Yeah, yeah, it's awesome, and uh, I think uh, uh, I'm looking forward to hearing vindication when when it gets around to the trial time. Uh, but um, you know, y- y- you're already vindicated; he didn't do anything wrong. But it, it'd be the, the more the more vindication you can get publicly, the the better it'll be. And um, so I was, I was glad to see that. Yep. All right, man. Have a, have a good rest of the show.
2: Thank you, Jay. Appreciate it. Yeah. Enjoy your uh, rest of your day, and enjoy the game tonight. Let's get to uh, Ryan in Sacktown, Ryan. How are you today? Doing all right. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Thank Excellent. You.
6: Hey, uh, that was a garbage comment, by the way. When you said you lost your career, you lost two jobs. You didn't lose your career. Look at everybody that's on here right now. Look at the things that you're doing. So, you know, was it an unfortunate circumstance? Absolutely. Should it not have happened? Absolutely. But you haven't lost your career, buddy.
2: Well, I appreciate it. I guess we're dealing with semantics. I believe I lost my career, but I appreciate your support. I appreciate everybody's support uh, that has been with me on my podcast and everything else, uh, all the messages that I continue to get on a daily basis via YouTube, chat, via my social media. I'm grateful to everyone. But in my opinion, I lost my co- I, I I had my career taken away from me, and that's how I feel. But that's okay. I appreciate your support and your comments.
6: Yeah, of course. How much, Grant, let me ask you before I get to what I wanted to get to. How much has the reaction been different since that happened versus now? Are you getting more reaction or less reaction?
2: More people are now uh, coming out and talking about it, whereas I believe that in the summer of 2020, everyone, including people of color, were staying silent. They didn't wanna get involved, period. And now I think more people are putting their head out of their shell and speaking up about it. So that to me is one of the differences. We still have a long way to go. Um, There's still cancel culture going on in our society. Uh, If you don't say what is quote unquote politically correct or popular, you can be chastised, you can be labeled, you can be stereotyped. So that's still going on in our society. But I think at least more people now are coming out and speaking about how they feel about certain things, whereas two years ago, their heads were stuck inside their shell.
6: And, and thank you for that, Grant. I mean, the, the reality is we're not going to fix anything, whether it's on this subject matter or anything else, unless people speak and you talk about it and you kick it around. That That's how change happens. But all right, let, yep. let's move off it. Um, so uh, you said the Oakland A's attendance. I can guarantee you there's two fans that likely will not be in the stands anymore for the A's, uh, which we know about. And I will get to my picks. Jerry having a date this week is definitely not one of them. Uh, <laughs> but
2: where has? He I been? know. I haven't heard from, I haven't heard from him either. I, I miss Jerry. Jerry, we need an update. I, I know, I know, man. It's really sad that he has not called back since the that the, talking about how Miss Italy uh, had not returned any of his messages. That was the last time we heard from Jerry. It was. Speaking about putting your head in your shell, Jerry, come on, man.
6: We, we need an update. So if you're listening, yes. get on here. Um, I want to talk about baseball. So baseball, right? I, I have a very hard time watching uh, an entire game. Let's just put it that way, especially during the regular season. But something flips and changes during the postseason. It gets exciting. Every single play matters. What can baseball do to make the regular season more exciting?
2: Boy, uh, that, that's a fabulous question. I mean, because they keep on trying to make changes, you know, get rid of the shift coming up, uh, having a pitch clock, you know, which they're trying to, you know, they said the games were six minutes faster this year. Six minutes, is that's ridiculous. Um, yeah. I'm not really sure. I'm really not. I wish I had the answers. I think analytics has killed baseball. And that's really what I believe. I believe analytics has ruined baseball as we knew it. Now, I talked to Dusty Baker about this on my podcast in December of 2020. And I brought that up. I talked about managing by the book. And he talked about, you know, it's kind of funny because, you know, people talk about, and I'm paraphrasing here about analytics, but we've always gone with, you know, we've always had numbers. We've always been able to figure out a batter that did not have success against a certain pitcher and blah, blah, blah. So he said some of that is kind of, eh, uh, but, but I don't see managers and I'm a Yankees fan. So Aaron Boone is to me, example number one. Aaron Boone never, ever manages by field. Doesn't matter. He can have a lead of two to one. And in the seventh inning, he can bring a pitcher out of the bullpen to pitch the seventh. And that, that pitcher can get through the inning in five pitches or six pitches, three up, three down. And that pitcher does not come in for the eighth inning. And I don't understand that. Like, I do not understand that. Hasn't baseball always been ride the guy that is pitching well? That's always been baseball. The Yankees never do that. The Yankees have a system where they want their starter to go five or six. They've got their pitcher that's pitching the seventh they got their pitcher that's pitching the eighth, and then they're going to Chapman in the ninth. Now, obviously, Chapman's been hurt, but I'm just giving you that example. That, to me, cannot happen. That's not the way baseball is meant to be played. You have your starter go as long as he can go. Then you bring in your relief pitcher. If your relief pitcher is going well, why would you take him out of the game? I don't understand that. Those type of moves, to me, have really hurt baseball. Uh, the number of pitching changes, the number of um, stoppages in the game has hurt baseball. Uh, what else has really hurt baseball is the stupid launch angle. Whereas, you know, when's mm-hmm. a Ryan, how many, uh, how often do you see a guy hit a triple now? I mean, it's a joke. I mean, it's just the balls don't yep. play enough. It's a joke. You don't see teams bunt and move runners over 90 feet. I think that's hurt baseball. But really, more than anything, it's the number of strikeouts in the game. The number of strikeouts, to me, has killed baseball. And the reason for that is the the way batters are being taught to hit. Hit the ball out of the ballpark. It's like the three in basketball. The three in the NBA has really changed the game. And in many instances, the games are tough to watch because it becomes a three-point shooting contest. Why? Because the analytics say that you need to keep shooting threes, Because the more threes you shoot, you have a chance to make them. It's going to be better than making X number of twos. So don't pound the ball down low. You know, the the analytics has really had, in my opinion, a negative impact on baseball, more so than other sports.
6: Yeah, no, you're right, Grant. Uh, When it comes to analytics, I mean, there are the positives and the negatives to it. I think the hard time or the hard thing that I have with baseball is looking how managers manage during the regular season versus the postseason, right? And I get mm-hmm. that it, it's the longest season out there, 162 games. So, but it, it, the entire dynamic changes and that happens in every league, but look at the National Football League, right? You know, it, it's, they're 18 games, they go full force I feel like with baseball, it's 162 where it's kind of coasting, and then we actually put our effort into managing once we get to the postseason, assuming you get to the postseason. You have the pitching changes all the time, and I know they have a rule that's changed how you can change – or how many pitchers you can change. But it changes the way the game's played, and I feel like that's what makes it most exciting. So it's like, why are you not managing like that the entire season?
2: I think another thing that really hurts baseball, and it's for me, maybe I'm old-fashioned, but I'm so tired of seeing guys half-assed it out of the box when they hit the ball to the outfield. And I think Phil Mushnick has said it best. You know, guys now find it fashionable to stretch a double into a single. And I see it all the time because guys are jogging their first three or four steps out of the box. And whereas they should have a stand up double, they then realize the ball's not going out of the ballpark and they don't make it the second. And so they have a long single. That happens way too often. And I've seen it happen repeatedly. And I've actually heard announcers make excuses. For the guys, there's no excuses that should not be allowed. If I'm managing a major league baseball team, uh, balls hit to the infield, field, I'll give a little bit of leeway balls hit to the outfield. You know, my guy is not running hard coming out of the box on a ball hit to the outfield. I'm making it very clear in in spring training. You're coming out of the game, and you're sitting your ass next to me. And I don't care if yep. your name is Aaron Judge. I don't care if your name is Mike Trout. I don't give a damn who your name is. Your ass is going to be next to mine on the bench in the dugout if you are jogging out of the box on a ball hit to the outfield. I am so tired of watching baseball. I am so tired of watching guys give up 90 feet because they are half-assing it out of the box. That turns me off to this sport.
6: Absolutely, Grant. And, uh, you know, I mean, nine-year-old Grant Napier playing uh, Little League. If you did that, what would happen?
2: Well, I I would get a stern talking to, and I probably would. At at age nine, I probably wouldn't be removed from the game, but I would get a stern talking to that that should not happen again. Okay, and then after that, if it did happen again, I would find my ass on the bench. So, yeah, I mean, that's how I was taught. I think that's how you were taught. I think, you know, again playing new sports, the one thing is if you didn't give effort, you weren't going to play. I mean, that's the one thing. I remember trying out for peewee Wee football and I did play one year of that. And then I didn't play again until I got to junior high school. But any sport, I mean, you know, the the yep. lack of lack of effort, lack of hustle. We used the word hustle more than effort back then. I'm sure you did too. But if you didn't hustle, you weren't going to be playing more than the minimum requirement. I mean, back when I played, you know what games were six innings in uh little league you had to play uh, three innings you had to play x number of innings a week but if yeah. you weren't out there trying or you were out there screwing around you were going to play the minimum number of innings so yeah I'm, I'm with you on that
6: yeah i mean i i would even argue hustle and effort grant are what get you on the field regardless of your skill set yes. unless you're you know you have two left feet let's put it that way Um, so I guess the question is, do you think the season is too long? 162, right? Is that why these guys, cause they're playing, I mean, what, what's the normal schedule, Grant? I think it's four, four or five on and two off in a given week.
2: They are, they are, there are too many games, but that's not going to change Ryan because of the money involved also would change all the records of major league baseball. It would skew everything. Uh, and again, the money is to me, you know, one of the biggest issues. And again, the lack of double headers, everything, you know, the game, but I don't really think the number of games is baseball's biggest problem right now. I really don't. I think the way the game is played is their biggest problem. And I'm not really sure how they're going to fix that based on the fact that analytics have taken over the game of baseball. Okay. So
6: sans analytics, what, if you were Rob Manfred right now, what is the first change you would make in baseball?
2: That's a f- I don't I I can't answer that. I don't know what my first change in baseball would be. I I really don't because I don't think that just I the reason why I'm answering the question this way, I don't think there's one thing that either you or I could do if we had a we had the power, the autonomy to change the game. If there was one thing, I don't think there's one thing that's going to fix baseball, Ryan. I really don't. I don't think there's one thing that's going to fix the game of baseball. So it's not just a matter of what's the one thing I would do. I don't think there's any one thing that's going to drastically change baseball. I just don't. And I don't think there's a real solution to this either, Ryan. I don't want to be like a pessimist. and be. But if you tell me what are five things I could do to change baseball, I don't think that's necessarily going to help the game that much if analytics is still – like, again, I'm using the Yankees as an example. I actually – the Yankees have turned me off to baseball somewhat now I watch the playoffs but the point is i don't really enjoy watching the yankees play because of the way they play and the way aaron boone manages he doesn't he doesn't uh there are no consequences for jogging out of the box uh there are he doesn't ever manage by field not once does the guy yeah. manage by field he never manages by field he goes by the book 100 of the time about his pitching staff, and again, it doesn't matter if he goes to the bullpen in the seventh inning, and the guy comes in and throws five pitches, and it's three up and three down, or he throws ten pitches and strikes out all three batters. It doesn't matter. He's taking that pitcher out and going to a next pitcher. And I just I hate watching a game being played like that. So I don't know if I could just come up with one thing I don't think there's any one thing that I could say Ryan that would really help the game of baseball that much
6: well what I'm not asking you to say the one thing that's going to fix it but what would be the first thing that comes to mind
2: I I, I would take analytics out of the game but that's not possible (laughs) that's not possible right right so I don't really know I mean I would definitely get rid of the shift I think that would help put the ball in play more I'm so tired of the ball not being in play. I know that the detractors going, well, gee, teach your players how to bunt and lay down the ball into the open side of the field. I get that, but that's, yeah. you know, I, I would get rid of the shift, which they're going to do, by the way, the field's going to have to be balanced. Your infielders, by the way, are not going to be able to be on the outfield grass when the, when the pitch is being thrown. Uh, There are certain things like that. I don't really understand making the base bigger. I don't really know what that's going to accomplish, but I do like the fact that they're going to get rid of the shift. Um, I'm not for robotic strike zones. I, I'm not. I understand that's going to happen very soon. I understand that's going to be the new wave of the future. I, uh, you know, it's not, I think one of the real beauties of the sport are the umpires behind the home Amen. plate. Amen. Amen. I, I think that. I think that's one of the real nuances of the game, Ryan, that I particularly enjoy. And I think when that leaves, it's going to even hurt baseball more than it has right now.
6: Well, I mean, baseball is already hurting, as we know, but yeah, no, a man about the umpires. If they take the umpires out of the game, then I'm not watching. Grant, I'm not even really watching anyways during the regular season. I'm reading up on it. I, I do enjoy postseason, like I said before, but it, it's just, it, it's slow. It's methodic. And you see guys, like you said, you know, not hustling down the baseline. It, it's it, a joke. It is, but I do, like, and that's what's the funny thing for me. I do get excited about postseason baseball because it is the exact opposite.
2: It is so methodical. Yep, yep, yep. And, you know, well, listen, in in postseason baseball, you'll actually see, you know, teams trying to move runners 90 feet. You actually will see a manager go by field, you know, on a number of times, more so than the regular season. But, you know, in the last two years, I've been to about – Seven or eight Marlins games, and I've watched them play against all good opponents. I watched them play the Dodgers once. I watched them play the Padres last year, and I watched them play the Atlanta Braves this year. And I got to tell you, I got up every single game and left way before the game was over because I mm. couldn't stand being there. It was so boring. It was so awful. Um, and the ballpark in Miami's—you know—it's they got the retractable roof. The roof was always closed. Right. It was fine. The ballpark's fine. I didn't have a problem with the ballpark. But it was just so boring. The ball was not in play. You know, I mean, it was ridiculous. The, the, the Padres game that I left, okay, that game ended up going over four hours. I left after about two hours and 45 minutes. And there the, the, there had been a combined, like, five hits in the game. All right? And I'm just like, I can't, I can't do it. I just can't do it. I could not sit. My buddy was behind the plate. And I, I'm like, I can't even watch my friend umpire the game. I'm like, I'm getting the hell out of here. I'll meet you after the game, and I did. I sent him a text message "You go text me when this miserable, pathetic, boring ass game is over." You know, and that's exactly what I said. I, I, couldn't handle it anymore.
6: So, so without breaking confidentiality, what, what is his take on the game? I'm sure you've had that conversation.
2: Oh yeah, I've had. Well, I, I, I know a lot of umpires, not just him. Uh, none of the umpires are happy with the game and the way it's being played. None of them, none of the umpires that I've spoken to are happy with the ga- way the game's being played. And I've spoken to some umpires that have been umpiring for decades. So they have seen the way the game was played and now the new style of game and they hate it. They hate it. I mean, I've talked to some umpires that have, I mean, I've talked to some of the games, big names that I've hung out with and had a beer mm-hmm. with and talked about the game. All right. I've ta- I've had long conversations with umpires that have been doing thousands of games. Okay. And they hate the way the game is played today. What
6: do you think the one change or the biggest complaint you've heard from them about the game is, is it the analytics?
2: Yes. The, 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 the way they, the, length of the game, which obviously would affect them, you know, the length of the game they, is their biggest issue. Correct. You know, they used to do games that were, You know, two hours to two hours and 15 to two hours and 20 minutes. Now games routinely are going over three hours, and it's ridiculous. You know, another complaint I heard from a lot of the umpires this year is the fact that in the ninth inning, when the score is a certain score, that it's fine to bring in position players to pitch. And it's like slow pitch softball. They think that's Mm -hmm. just a horrible, horrible uh, look for Major League Baseball, and they, they hate that. But, you know. Some of the things, but no, I, I thought it's not just my good friend. I've, I've met many umpires through him and they all are pretty much universal in the way the game is played. They're, they're not a fan of the way the game is played.
6: Fair enough. Yeah. And Grant, I mean, to me, that's kind of a punch in the balls when you bring in a position player to pitch. Like I, I, I even if the game's out of hand and you're not going to win, I feel like it's disrespectful to the quality of the game and you know how the game is played. But anyways,
2: it would be like it would be like taking your. It would be like the New York Giants last week after they lost both the quarterbacks, taking their starting left guard and having him play quarterback for the rest of the game. Seriously, it's exactly, a joke. exactly, you
6: know, it's a joke. yeah. So exactly, it, it, it's like, and you brought up Pee Wee football. It's like putting your lineman in the backfield to get a running play. You know, like yep. I, I, yeah. Anyways, yep. okay. I don't want to take too much more time. I have everybody. T- Picks So far today, I'm going to give you mine really quick. I am going Cowboys. I am going Eagles. And Grant, you're going to love this one. She jumped me for this all the time. I am going Raiders. And then I am also going to go with the Lions.
2: I almost went with the Raiders. I don't think they're going to win the game, but a divisional game, a huge game, Monday night football. I could see this game being close. I don't think they're going to win, but I almost went with the Raiders too and I almost took the 7 points. 7 points in a game like this is a lot of points. So, I I don't have a problem with that pick at all. I almost picked the Raiders too. I don't again, I don't think they're going to win, but I could see this game being within 7 points.
6: Absolutely, and I appreciate you saying that, Grant. Yeah, 7 is a lot. As you said, um, I think that's going to be a close one. I mean, probably the Chiefs are going to win, but I I think the Raiders cover. Absolutely.
2: Yep. All right, buddy. Have a good day. All right, bud. See you. Good stuff right there. Uh, Again, if you want to get on before we wrap up the show, all you got to do is hit your hand icon and do it. But baseball uh, is starting this weekend uh, with the four games wild card round. And I – will I watch it? No. I won't. I'll be watching college football in the NFL. So I I don't think I will watch any baseball this weekend. Now that I really think about it. No. No, I don't think so. All right. I'm going to wrap it up. We'll talk to you tomorrow, three o'clock, Sean Salisbury, YouTube live, four o'clock right here on Listen Up. Take care, everybody. Have a great one. Bye-bye.